This week on Ridiculously Bored. The plane started going down. Okay, I'm going to die. I do not consider this to be even remotely a near-death experience. This boat caught on fire. Your mom, after she got on the other boat, asked for her dog before the kids. (laughs) Throws his handcuffs on me. Nice. Comments, being a big guy, he actually comments, you're lucky I got the fat guy cuffs this week. Hey, everybody. My name is David Michael. I'm Michael Carter. And we are... Ridiculously bored. All right, we're back. It's episode four. It is, uh, it's good to be back. It hasn't really been that long, but yep. uh, how are you doing, Mr. Carter? I- I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So why don't you run your spiel that we talked about? <laughs> okay, I'll run the spiel. So I had a few questions from folks um, just about subscribing in general. So if you are watching this on YouTube, click on the subscribe button and there's usually a little bell icon that will actually remind you when we post a new episode. So you'll get a little notification that says, Hey, log in and check out the latest episode of ridiculously bored. If you are on, uh, if you're using like podcasts like Apple music or Amazon music or stitcher or one of the 50 other platforms that are out there that, that have podcasts on it, you Sony need to, Walkman. no one's on Sony Walkman. I can assure you that. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I> keep checking. <laughs> if you are on any one of those podcast solutions where you're just listening to us, hello and thank you for listening to us, but also follow and or subscribe so that you will be notified when we release a new episode. It also helps us out because it tells all the gurus and the algorithms that, um, that people actually want to hear what we have to say. And if you uh, don't want to hear what we say, uh, then what are you doing? Press stop. Stop listening to us. You're not allowed to. Go. And the show's over. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go over a couple. Spiel done. Spiel done. Thank you. I want to go over a couple technical corrections that we got from a few people. Uh, One, I only had one roommate. Ever? uh, Yeah. My wife definitely doesn't like to be called a roommate, but... Um, we, when we plan the Vegas trip each year, we plan it with one other guy. He says it came off that he was just one of many. And I think he got his <laughs> dice in a vice about it. So I wanted to mention that. that. I like that. Um, and then one last thing, one more winner from Nourishell. Uh, his name is Frank Abagati, I think it's pronounced or Abunati. He is the guy from catch me if you can. So he was a forger an imposter went to jail for many years and he was just an all around con man. So he was the guy or, that Leonardo DiCaprio played in the Correct. movie. Correct. Oh, interesting. One other he guy we forgot and I don't know under, I don't I can't comprehend how we could have possibly forgotten this because he's kind of like the podcast like, you know, Maven at, at this point. Joe Rogan actually lived downstairs in the uh, the three family home that I lived in in New Rochelle. Right. He was he was my neighbor. So um, I don't know that you could actually say he was from New Rochelle. I think he's actually from like the Bronx or something like that. But um, he did live in New Rochelle for a certain period of time. And uh, I did get to meet him before he was famous. Yeah. So, Joe, well if you're before. listening. Uh, just kidding. Joe's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to finish that. 
All right. So last week we had talked, we had teased about some near-death experiences. Yeah. And I think you have um, a couple more than me. So <laughs> it sounds like. So why don't you why don't you open it up? I it depends on what you want to consider near-death experiences. The one that um that I always kind of refer to and uh it's one of those really kind of scary ones there's nothing funny about this story um unless like you want to laugh at people's reactions but uh for a while i was a uh, director of marketing at a company called insight and in, uh, in tempe arizona and i was one of like maybe 10 or 11 directors and then we had a couple of vps and and you know ceo and stuff like that we used to do these corporate trips every quarter you know every three four months and uh one year we decided to fly everybody out to vegas and somebody thought it would be a really bright idea to put the entire executive team on the same airplane because we're all leaving from the same place and uh and so we're on this plane flying from phoenix to vegas which is typically a super short 45 minute flight it just so happened that the day we were flying was a very crystal clear day with no crosswinds um, are you familiar with the concept of, um, God, what's it called? It's called jet wash. Familiar with the well, concept of jet wash? I've heard of jet wash. That's when it's from the back of the plane and you don't see it, so it affects your plane. But I would think a crystal clear day was a good thing. No, crystal clear day is actually not a good thing. Um, you can ask pilots. So jet wash is, if you think of a turbine, it spins like a fan, right? Air goes in one end and comes out the other. Well, when the air comes out, it comes out in a, in a spiral. So on a typical day, there are crosswinds that dissipate that, okay? Um, okay? When there are no crosswinds, that spiral just continues to spiral and spiral and spiral. And we were, I guess, about a mile or two behind uh, another airplane, and we flew into the jet wash, and it almost flipped the plane. So um, we flew in, and I remember being a passenger. So we're sitting in the airplane. We're having a conversation. It's all good. Everybody's going to Vegas. Everybody's happy. Everybody's getting liquored up. And we're flying, and all of a sudden, the plane just jerks 45 degrees to the right. And Jeez. everyone's drinks just kind of slide off to the side, all right? And then it kind of corrects itself, and a bunch of people screamed, and everyone was like, you know, oh, that's, you know, what was that? And, you know, the, the flight attendant that was, you know, had the drink cart was like, you know, drinks were everywhere. So it was a little bit scary, and then the kind of plane leveled out, and we were all like, oh, okay, well, that was a little, you know, it's a little pretty big turbulence there. And then a second later, it did it again, except it did it harder. And then everything just slid, like the the, the cabinets popped open, and some people's bags were sliding out. And then the plane. Did the started, oxygen? Did the oxygen things come no, down? No, the oxygen mask never came out. I'm defining this not as a near death experience. Then <laughs> the plane started going down, and um, so I know this because I put my hand down to stop because my body was sliding. I was on the left-hand side of the plane. I was sliding towards the middle of the plane. I put my hand across the aisle on the armrest of the person that was on the other side of the aisle. I had an aisle seat, and um, and I had just drinks everywhere. And I looked down, which to my right, but which was actually down at this point. And I looked out the window of the plane of the the window on the other side of the plane, and all I saw was ground. And the plane started kind of veering, and it made this really loud like. And we were like, and I just remember thinking, okay, this is it. This is how it happens. I've always wondered. This is this is how it's going to happen. And um, we dropped about, I don't know, I want to say probably maybe a hundred feet. And then the pilot leveled out the plane again. 
And then he kind of came on afterwards. People were screaming. Like it was, it was like a scene from Airplane, the movie Airplane from like the 70s where people are just going nuts. <laughs> without the comedy. Yeah, without the um, comedy. <laughs> how, how long do you think the whole process was? Oh, the whole thing lasted probably 35, 40 seconds tops. Okay. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't very long in my you know, experience, it was the longest 45 seconds of my entire life. And, um, but, and it was scary. I just, I have never ever felt and had enough time to think, okay, I'm going to die. Like I'm, I'm about to die. Like that was just the scariest thing ever. And then, um, yeah. And then the pilot came on and was, he explained what happened and we flew into some jet wash. Reason why we went down is not because we lost control of the plane, but we were trying to get out of the jet wash so that we, you know, we decided to drop an altitude. I'm like, you couldn't go up. Like you couldn't go left. You couldn't go right. Like he chose to drop a couple hundred feet in order to, I get it. But yeah, it was, it was pretty scary. And I'll, uh, I'll never forget that experience. Yeah. I, I've been on some rough turbulence flights, but never one that is tilted to the side. And, you know, you talked about it, like going to, when you go to Vegas, that's like the happiest flight in the world. Cause everybody on the way oh, there yeah. has, aspirations of how much they're going to win and how well they're going to do. And then you come home (laughs) more times than not. It's like the world's saddest flight because everybody's lost or there's that one person who won. I think Um, if it would have happened on the way home, everyone would have been like, "Eh, all right, yeah, I lost my money. (laughs) I'm going down. (laughs) I have nothing at home anyway, because I've uh, lost it in Vegas. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty extreme. Um, You know, especially when you can see the plane sideways. Yeah, it was, I mean, just, I, I actually have, I don't have reoccurring nightmares. I'd say maybe once every couple of years, I kind of have like a dream where I'm in that exact same like spot. And it was just, uh, cause you just, you never forget. Like I could remember the, what the person looked like that was sitting next to me. I could remember like where drinks were flying and the sound of the screams, like all of that stuff is just stuff you just don't forget anytime soon. Did you act the way you thought you would? Like, did you joke around at all afterwards or you just Did like panic thing. thing i just i i just i was like okay this is weird and then i put my hand across to stop myself from sliding you know towards the middle of the plane and then i just kind of like looked and i looked out the window and then you know your whole life flashes before your eyes and then you know you're just that was it i didn't you know by the time i had actually like snapped out of it we were you know we were leveled off and the pilot came on and told us what was happening, but it was super scary. Yeah. So that's the air uh, near death experience. We have a sea near death experience that you and I were together for. All right. You're going to have to remind so, me about this one. I, you mentioned it. I don't, I don't, you, you don't remember it. it? That's oh, crazy. That, oh, this. All right. So I do not consider this to be even remotely a near death experience because we were probably less than a mile from shore. <laughs> Like, Spoiler even. alert, we, we survived. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Come on. So what happens is you're, a few years ago, I don't remember exactly how long, maybe seven or eight years ago, your no. father got uh, let's see. a boat. Um, based I upon the, the age of my kids, it was probably about 10 years ago. Okay. So we, your father gets a boat and we decide to go spend the day out on the water with him. Um, we went to the Mamaronek Harbor, right? Yep. I think it was. Yeah. And I think your uncle has a boat as well, right? That was the other person with the boat. Uh, they, sh- uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Cause, Cause we were going to, we were going to go out to an Island and then go barbecue and stuff like that. We're going to meet them there. Right. So first I, I want to mention for people who don't know me very well, I hate boats. I get violently seasick on boats. So the whole process of going on a boat, going somewhere, the water, I'm not a fan of. Which begs the question. What were you doing on the boat? Why did you agree to come? 
well, because you were only in town for a few days, so it was going to be like a big get together. So that's uh-huh. why we went. Um, and I, apparently, to get this story, that's why I went. <laughs> so we go out on the boat, and I right, find we might have been a mile out, but a mile out in water, you might as well be in in the middle of the ocean at that point, right? Because we uh-huh. there was no other boats around us at the time. Not even your uncle who had jetted off and left us. So the boat that we're on catches fire. So the engine something went, catches fire. The engine. It wasn't something even the boat. went wrong it was the with engine. the engine. The like, engine catches fire. The boat catches so, fire. You can like splash some water on it and you're good to go. The engine catches yeah. fire. You're pretty much dead in the water. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you know how to put out a boat fire if you just think you're leaning over the side <laughs> and tossing water on it the boat to put a out big the fire. Boat. This is like what? A 15 footer, 10 footer? 15 or 20 feet. So yeah. enough to have kind of half of the family on it, right? Yeah. Between you and your kids, me and my wife and mm-hmm. your parents. And then your uncle had a couple other people on his. So the engine catches fire. We go through the fire extinguisher that we have on the boat. Worthless. Still on fire. It it was still worked. Yeah. Yeah. But the boat was still on fire. The engine. Fire continues. I think we used a bottle bottle or two of water. We did. Trying trying your approach. Let's just splash some water water on it. (laughs) So now the the boat is stranded. The boat has stopped, right? Because the engine's on fire. Yeah. We are trying to signal somebody, and that this is where I mean where it doesn't matter if you're a mile out or, or fucking 10 miles out. It's the same thing. We're trying to signal people we can't get anybody. The engine, the fire is getting – it's not out of control, but it's big enough, right? And yeah. it's still kind of sectioned in the back of the boat. So one of the things that I got out of this, which I, I really appreciate looking back on, is I stayed pretty calm in the situation. Mm-hmm. And as I think you did as well. Mm-hmm. And so – that leads me to because like, it was well, not a near death experience. So we're going to go out on a boat, and I'm just going to leave you there for a while, and then we'll see what point you, you determine it's a near death experience, and then the story will continue. The minute you start driving away, so you're we finally get your uncle now sees the distance between us is getting further and further away. So he doesn't know what's wrong, but he realizes something's going on here. So comes all the way back. Finally, he comes back, pulls up next to us. Boat still on fire, engine still on fire. We start handing people off to the other boat. Women and children and first. W- women and children <laughs> first, in most people's view. So you don't remember this based on that comment. Your mom, after she got on the other boat, asked for her dog before <laughs> the kids. I don't remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't remember that. I, don't I, remember I guarantee that. you my wife remembers it because we, we talked about it after it happened. <laughs> so she's like, give me the dog, give me the dog. And I'm like, the dog, look. For any dog lovers out there, yeah. this is not to piss you off. But I'm like, the dog can fucking wait a minute. Let's get the kids <laughs> off the boat. So we got all the kids off. Your your aunt, who is mm-hmm. around the same age as you, right? So it's, rather, it's a older, misleading yeah. that she's your aunt, but she right. is your aunt. Um, your aunt is kind of in full panic mode. Yeah, get off yeah. the boat. Get, get off the boat. Yeah. That. She's screaming And at we're us. like, it's fine. The worst thing that happens is the fire goes up further and I just jump in the water, right? right. Like. I think I'm she not was thinking worried the, it was going to the boat was going to blow up. Like that. Yeah. yeah, she watched too Probably many action films. Exactly, and then Arnold would come in. What's yeah. the problem? <laughs> um, so we finally get everybody off the boat. The police end up coming, I believe, right? Because the boat gets end up having to get towed. We called the the harbor police, yeah, and they kind of drove their little boat out. Yeah, we had so we all got very to the other bar out of the harbor, though. We I remember us being yeah. pretty close. So. I mean, that was the the boat catching fire. Again, I, yeah. I get that it's not, I'm not running out of a, the towering inferno, <laughs> but 
it was a boat on fire. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put that in a yeah. near, near death experience. The category. funny thing is my son was so young and he was at the time, you know, very much into like police officers and firefighters and stuff like that. You know, like all little kids are. And uh, he got to ride in the, um, in the police boat. They rode us back to the shore. And I remember him saying to me, that was the best day ever. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, you know what? Your grandfather doesn't think the same. <laughs> this boat caught on fire. So, well, that leads to you talking about um, your son uh, with the police. Have you ever had any police encounters that um, kind of left an indelible mark on you? I'll start with one. I'll start with I an easy one. I know you have. I, I, I'm going to have to think long and hard about this one. I don't think so. All right, I'll start with an easy one. I got a speeding ticket once. Um, and for anybody at work, all of these stories that I'm going to tell in the next few minutes, none of these end with a record. I just want to be clear of that. Because <laughs> there are some times where it seems like that's where it's going. None of them ended up with a record. So I get a speeding ticket and I go to I try to fight it, so I go to court. So it was like a bad movie. The cop comes in, sits down. And he's whatever the judge's name. He's like, hey, Judge Jim, how's it going? How's the wife? Great pie she made last week. I'm like, I'm, I'm screwed. Yeah, like, yeah. If this is this. how it's starting, yeah. I, I'm screwed. So the judge says to him, okay, explain to us why you have qualifications to, one, be a police officer, and two, to give tickets. So the guy starts going down this list and gives all these degrees that he has and all these certifications. But the one I remember the most is – him saying, and I've also gotten a degree on how to be how to judge how fast the car is going just by looking at it. I have a certification in that. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Well, it's not bullshit because he pulls out the certificate. <laughs> the judge, there's a the class. Judge said, yeah, the judge says, "Okay, can you please show it to the? I don't know what am I the defendant at that point? Yeah. And the old saying is, the person who defends himself has an idiot for a client. <laughs> so I say in court on the record, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Oh, Jesus. The judge slams the gavel down. He said, that's your warning. Next word that you say that I'm not happy with, you're going to be held in contempt of court. <laughs> so that next 10 minutes is the quietest, quietest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> court ended. I ended up paying the fine and leaving. But that's how that that experience went. Oh, Jesus. You had, didn't you have, you had, come on, you have. You had an experience in the backseat of, of a police car. You have to tell yeah. that story. Well, there's there's also the one where when I was 12 or 13 years old, I basically made a business of stealing stuff from the local five and dime and mm -hmm. selling it to other people. Or if I wanted something and because we couldn't afford it, I would just go steal it. Mm -hmm. And eventually one of the times I got caught and like, thankfully, the detective or undercover cop or mall security, whatever he was, we just kind of walked outside, sat me down. He, he made me fill out a piece of paper, basically a piece of paper that said something to the effect of, I promise not to do this anymore. <laughs> I was maybe 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, and that was it. But the problem was somebody from school had seen it happen. Mm. And, you know, one of the things you were telling me was that because I didn't I didn't yeah. know this originally, but you said one of the kids in our neighborhood used to have a story about this. Yes, he did. What did he say? You want me to tell it? You really want me to tell yeah. it? Well, he said that you were stealing tampons for your mom. That's <laughs> what he said. That's what he told me. I did not make that yeah. up. And so it, the worst thing is only it was only aspirin. But that story is much better. One. <laughs> yeah. 
two, I, I really can't value that guy's opinion on many things because he was also the one that used to say a uh, female's period was when she threw up from her vagina. So <laughs> I don't even know if he knew what he was talking about. Uh, well, well, no, clearly they were just trying to get one over on you. Yeah. Make and thankfully I was, I, I defended myself pretty good in school and that kind of story went away. Oh. But the time I ended up in the back of the police. Hold car. on. Well, while we're on tampons, I have a really good video called the Epic Tampon Run on my other channel. David Michael, you might want to go check it out while you're watching this. Or pause the video and then come back after you watch that. But go, go ahead, Michael. I, I prefer I have no relation to that channel. So I prefer you wait till this show's over. And then if you want, if you have a couple extra minutes, you can go to his channel. That's I'm fine. also giving away $500 to my first 1,000 subscribers <laughs> randomly. You're going to save that money. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm only so, at like 70 subscribers. <laughs> the, the story of where I ended up in the back of the police car. Now, in this case, I'm not a kid. I'm in my 30s. And I had been on rotation in Australia for a couple of years. So the way the rotation came up for work was it came up pretty fast. And because of that, I had a car still that had eight, nine, 10 months or so of a lease left. So my old roommate took over the lease and we didn't change anything else. We kept the insurance in my name, kept the car in my name. He just paid me. I go overseas. I come back for his wedding, actually. I come back and he lends me the car while I'm home. And so we just got back from Vegas. You know, this is what I mentioned in one of the other episodes that this, this will be the first year we haven't gone every other year, even the years I was in Australia, we went. So on my trip home for his wedding, we went to Vegas first and then I went home. That's important to the story. So I get in the car, I'm going to a charity golf outing that one of our, one of our, one of our friends invited me to make my way start to going. It's about an hour from me. I'm driving. I get to this area that says construction ahead. I start slowing down, but the cop is right inside the, the, the sign. First sign says construction ahead. Speed limit goes down. The guy's right there. I get caught for speeding, pulls me over. Pulls me over, asks me, you know, for license or registration, that kind of typical stuff. I give him all my information. Now, I didn't say this to him, but I give him now my Australian license. And the reason why is I'm trying to avoid the points, forgetting that the car is still registered in my name. So I give him the registration. I give him the insurance. I give him my so driver's license. two licenses? Did I miss that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had an Australian license while I was down there as well as my U.S. license. Oh, so you don't have to like forfeit your U.S. license when you get another one. Correct. Okay. So I give him the license and he says to me, where did you get this fake ID? I'm like, what? I'm like, he's like, I'm like, it's not fake ID. And he's like, well, it's not a trusted area license. Doesn't look like any one I've ever seen. I think this is a fake ID. You've now given me a fake ID. So immediately realizing this has gone sideways quickly. I say to him, I say, look, officer, I said, you know what? I accidentally gave you my Australian license. It, it's kind of on the top of my wallet. I live in Australia now. Um, I'm only here visiting for a, a, a friend's wedding and that's it. Well, why is the car in your name? Why is the insurance in your name? Why do you have a fake license? Let's tell them the same big. story again. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm usually a little bit of a wise ass. You know, yes. one of the things my cousin always reminds me of the story where the <laughs> cop pulled me over. It happened to be right in front of a speed limit sign. He asked me what the speed was. Did I know? And I pointed to the sign and said, I don't know, 50. <laughs> and so that one, I got a ticket. But so the guy again goes, why, why have you given me a fake license? So I go through the same story again. Then I add, look, as a matter of fact, if you want, 
I have my itinerary in the trunk. I can show you my itinerary to show you that I'm only in for a few weeks. I live in Australia. That's my Australian license. I'm going to ask you one last time. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Why do you have a fake license? So at this point, it's one of those, put my head down. I'm visiting from Australia. I just go through the yeah, whole story the whole again. Story again. Right? Get out of the car. <laughs> so I get out of the car. You know, because the whole, uh, all right, well, here's how this is going to go down. Since you have a fake license, I'm arresting you. I'm impounding your car. Did you say We're it's gonna not go a fake down. license? Not a fake not license. Not at this point. It didn't matter anymore. <laughs> I would have kept doing it. <laughs> uh, that would be your Tourette's kicking in. Yes. <laughs> um, so he, he grabs me, says, grabs his handcuffs, throws his handcuffs on me. Nice. Comments, being a big guy, he actually comments, you're lucky I got the fat guy cuffs this week. Oh, shit. <laughs> he goes, otherwise, this would really hurt because I kept telling him, like, it hurts. It's tight. I'm surprised but you didn't like, say, you call me fat, motherfucker? <laughs> That's what you typically would say. At, at this point, even I realized that was not the next line to say. <laughs> so he throws me in the back of the car, his cop car. We're sitting there for a few minutes. He starts all the paperwork. He calls a tow truck. He has to wait mm. for the tow truck to come and get my car. Tows my car. While we're sitting there, he's like, okay, well, here's the process. We're going to go down to the courthouse, uh, to the uh, community jail. We're going to file a petition with the courthouse. You got to post a bond, and you then you can leave, and you have to come back in a couple weeks for your trial, for this court date or whatever it was. So I'm like, all right, okay, fine. Just be like, so, I'm going to be in Australia in a couple yeah. weeks. Well, those all questions came later. Yeah. So he's like, car finally gets towed. He's like, we can go now. Because of where he was, it was quicker to back up a half a mile off the highway rather than go like another four miles to the next exit. So he starts backing up. As he starts backing up, I say to him, do you have the lights on and the sirens? So he's like, no. So I said, are you going to turn them on? And he's like, no. So I'm like, can you? So he stops the car. <laughs> Turns around to look at me, and I'm like, look, I don't expect to be in the back of the cop car much, so if we're going to do this, we should do it right. I'm like, can you please turn them on? And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to turn them on. Okay, worth the ask. We get off the highway. We drive to the courthouse. On the way to the courthouse, him and I start bullshitting. And at this point now, he realizes he probably overreacted. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I still don't think he believes it's not a fake license, but he, he realizes he overreacted. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, look. Sorry, but the process is in motion. I got to take you to the courthouse. We got to fill out the paperwork. We got to do all the next steps. It's like you can post bond or somebody come and post bond for you. Um, and then you can go. So I'm like, fine. I'm like, how much is the bond? He's like, $1,500. I'm like, can I pay myself? He's like, why are you walking around $1,500? I'm like, well, I just got home from Vegas yesterday and I actually had a good run. <laughs> I said, so I have $1,500 on me. So he's like... Uh, yeah, I guess. You, yeah. He goes, I don't, I don't think that's not allowed. He goes, sure. Go to the courthouse. Does the typical like shit you see in a movie, chain me to the fucking railing. Oh, Jesus. Um, goes and gets the phone and is like, you have one call. Who do you want to call? So growing up, my dad had two rules. Amongst other things, wanted me to be a good kid, stay out of trouble, all this kind of thing. You had two rules. Don't come home and tell me you got somebody pregnant before you married. Don't call me from jail. Right? <laughs> I wasn't calling my dad, no matter what. Even though I don't think I really did anything wrong, I wasn't right. calling my dad. So I called my friend, the other guy we go to Vegas with, who I was <clears> supposed <throat> to be playing golf with. Call him up. Starts with, of course, where the fuck are you? <laughs> 
He's like, you're an hour and a half late. And I'm like, well, funny story. I'm in jail. <laughs> so he's like, what do you mean you're in jail? I go, no, yeah, I'm in jail. So he's like, what do I need to do? How do I help you get out? Like, Because he would be the guy. If right, anything happens, right. he's the guy I go to, right, for everything um, when it comes to stuff like that, right? He's always been like an older brother to me. Mm-hmm. So and he's he like, what do I got to do? 3,000 miles closer than I do. Well, yeah. Correct. Um, I, I would call you, but then I would have spent a couple nights in jail. Yeah. Well, I just think it's funny that his first question wasn't like, what do I need to do? I'm, I'm shocked that he didn't say, I knew this time would come. All that shit came later. He laid into me later about it. He's like, I'm sure you mouthed it off to the cop. I'm sure it was what you said. And I'm like, no, none of that happened. I'm like, I'm telling you, none of that happened. So he's like, what do I need to do? And I'm like, well, actually, they told me I can bail out myself. I'm like, so you don't need to do anything. I go, but I'm not going to come to the golf outing. I'm never going to make it in time. I said, after I get out, I got to go get right. my car. I'm like, I'm like, it's a long process. So we do the paperwork. We, um, I pay the bond. I'm allowed to leave. He's saying, like you said before, he's like, oh, your court date's in four weeks or something. So I'm like, well, I'm leaving in a week and a half. I, I can't wait four weeks. Like I can't move mm-hmm. my flight, all this. Stuff. I got works waiting for me when I get back, all this stuff. So he's like, the only way you can speed up the process is if you go to court and just plead guilty to the ticket. He's like, you're, you're just basically all this is going to end up in is a speeding ticket. So I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go to the courthouse and do it. And so, the 1500 is refundable, right? Correct. I get all that back and I just paid the penalty for the ticket, which so is like 300 just bucks. wasted a bunch of time. Correct. Um, and I missed out on a golf day and, uh. and money. So about a week later, I go to court. I do the paperwork. They, I pay the fine. Um, everything's done. I go back to Australia. In this time, New York passed the law. I lived in New York at the time. New York passed the law that there was not just a civil a criminal penalty for a ticket. I guess that's considered criminal, whatever the category is. But there's also a civil penalty on top of it of an extra couple hundred dollars. So you get a bill in the mail for that piece. The oh, ticket lovely. stuff you settle in court. The mm-hmm. other stuff you get a bill in the mail. Now, I don't have a U.S. address anymore. <laughs> Probably forwarded it to my parents. Got lost somewhere in the shuffle. Never paid. I returned. I returned from Australia two years later. I try to buy a new car. Go to uh, call the the dealer. Calls my insurance company, and they're like, "Oh, he doesn't have a valid license. He can't buy. He can't get a car. He can't drive it. He can't be the main point on it." So that's when I find out all this other stuff that I got a ticket in the mail for a couple hundred more bucks, which now there's penalties and interest. So that 300 is like 700. (laughs) And I got to go through all of that now before I could buy a car. Jesus Christ. So. All because of that one. And he still didn't turn the freaking lights on that bastard. No, I know. That's the moral of the story. Turn the (laughs) lights on if you're going to do this. (laughs) Damn. So you've lived, you've lived in New York. You've lived Mm -hmm. in Australia. You've lived in Connecticut. Yep. Um, what's like, which, which one was your favorite place so far that you've lived in? Well, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, New York is where I grew up. Right. So Mm -hmm. that that always has tug strings for me. Right. Even Mm -hmm. my kids, we were in Connecticut by the time my kids were born. We specifically chose a New York hospital over the border. So I could say they were born in New York (laughs) rather than Connecticut. (laughs) So New York always holds that for me. And Mm -hmm. my wife jokes when, cause she's Australian and she came back with me. She jokes that she came back to be in New York, not in Connecticut, but we just get more for our money in Connecticut. So that's worth it. Mm -hmm. When it comes to environment, people, 
um, weather, like you can't beat Australia. And I also was very lucky when I first got there. And I mean, literally the, the next day. So the first day I landed, the next day my firm had an event. And at that event, I met a few people who would become lifelong friends, um, you know, where I've been to their weddings. They've been to mine. We always keep in touch. Mm-hmm. The godfathers to my kids because we baptize them in the U.S. and in Australia, just like you are here to mm-hmm. one of them. So, like, it's such a, an invaluable experience. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like coming from New York, I remember the first few weeks in Australia. In New York, you look at somebody wrong, they want to stab you. <laughs> in Australia, you look at somebody in a bar, they're like, you must be by yourself. What's going on? How are you doing? What's your name? Why are yeah. you here? Like, it's totally different. It's just yeah, a different environment. is different. Yeah. The only so thing, I've never been to Australia, but I just, I see the types of insects and animals that come out of Australia. And I live in Arizona. We have scorpions. We have rattlesnakes. But like, and, and I'm fine with snakes. I'm fine with scorpions. I don't do spiders. And some of the largest spiders I've ever seen in my entire life come from Australia. Yeah. If, if anybody wants to take a Google break and Google 10 deadliest, whatever <laughs> spiders, snakes, animals, things in the water, yeah. animals, at least six of them will be from Australia. Always. <laughs> um, the one funny thing about the spiders though, cause they have a lot of poisonous spiders. And I actually at one point had, uh, they're called a redback. I had one of them on my balcony where I lived. And in a moment of not really thinking this through, I grabbed a lighter that you would use to like light a barbecue or something like that. And I started lighting them on fire to kill them. <laughs> Thankfully, the wall didn't catch on fire. Like that didn't <laughs> dawn on me later. I was like, gee, I could have set a fire to the fucking wall. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if I so, see a big spider, I'm lighting the whole wall up anyways. I'll burn the house down just to avoid having to deal with the spider. So, <laughs> so speaking of living in different places, you've lived in a few, right? You lived mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. You lived in Arizona for quite a while. You had a cup of coffee yeah. in Virginia or D.C. area. Yes. What about you? What places <laughs> do you like? Um, ironically, the place that I like and want to live is not the place that I've actually ever um, lived in. So, um, so of course, I grew up in New York. I think that's no secret. Moved out to Arizona to go to um, to go to college. Spent, you know. Some of the better six years of my life uh, going to college on the extended program. Go ahead. That's interesting. Was it a six-year degree? It was not. It was not no, a six-year degree. <laughs> check. Look at episode two if you want details on that. Um, so, and then I did sneeze and ended up in um, Virginia. Actually, so I, I took a job in 2003 that was based out of, it was, it was working for a media company based out of Washington, D.C., and uh, so I bought a house in Virginia and commuted into D.C. It was only like a 30-mile commute, but it took like an hour and a half, which was just insane. But, I mean, if you've ever lived in New York and worked in Manhattan, because few people are, you know, well off enough to live and work in Manhattan because Manhattan's really expensive, um, you're used to like a 45 to an hour and a half minute commute. And if you live in Connecticut, you're used to a two-hour <laughs> commute mm-hmm. because you're just, you know, you're mostly working in New York City and have to commute anyways. So, but I hated the, it was like hour and a half each way into, um, into DC. And I loved DC. DC to me was like a cleaner version of New York. It was identical to New York from a, a city vibe perspective. When you, when you walk out of the subway and there's like a thousand people on the street around you, it's just electrifying and there's a lot of energy there. Um, but it was very political and I'm not a big fan of politics. We worked four, four blocks from the white house. So, you know, you could, 
go have lunch out, you know, a block or two away from, and you know, the White House lawn and 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 hang out in that area. But you know, every bar had politicians up the yin yang and senators and all sorts of you know people that just you know everybody's wearing suits and ties and it just really was a little bit too stuffy for me it wasn't my type of environment so after doing that for about a, a year ended up moving back to new to uh to arizona and i've been out in arizona ever since because my kids are out here so the the unique thing was if you remember, you decided to move to DC based on that op- mm-hmm. the opportunity you got. Mm-hmm. It was you said 2003. It was mm-hmm. when I was. You got in not 2003. You didn't move to 2004. Yeah, because 2004. You flew out east to go look for a house, right? You came out for mm-hmm. a weekend to look for a house, and you drove up to uh, where I lived in Pelham at the time with my roommate. And the reason why you drove up it was the week before I was going to Australia. Mm. So you drove up you from my going, going away, away party. party or something like that. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So it was actually one of two going away parties. So I smartly separated the family going away party from the friends going away party. So I did the family one a couple of weeks beforehand where it was like aunts and uncles and, mm-hmm. and some cousins who I don't necessarily hang out with as much. And then the night you ke- the day you came up was the friends party mm-hmm. at my house, at my apartment. Um, you left because you had to go back to, to DC, you left kind of halfway through it. Mm-hmm. Most of my friends, ironically, have really not seen me drink, right? I don't that think I've actually seen, I've seen you drink maybe a handful of times. And that's only usually in Vegas. And I right? had to beg I usually, you yeah. to drink. Yeah. That night was a colossal downward spiral for the whole night. <laughs> Um, we had people coming over who I had worked with who were like, you know, just coming in for uh, like, oh, we're going to miss you. Have fun. And they were like, let's do a shot. And then we had family members coming over. It was like, oh, it's too bad. You'll be back in a couple years. Let's do a shot. So it was so bad that one, the next morning I woke up with bottles of alcohol in my bed that I don't remember ever drinking, like literally <laughs> in my bed with me. Um, Two, we went to we went out to eat afterwards at some point in the middle of the night. And all my friends keep talking about was I was so drunk that I took my contacts off, put them on the tips of my fingers, and every time somebody would say something, I would point my fingers at them and say, I see what you're talking about. I see what you're talking about. <laughs> and I would keep holding the contacts in their eyes. That's what I was doing. Yeah, that was that was a, an epic night. Yeah, you have you have a tipping point. It's like an inflection point. Like once you go past that. Like I remember the only like times we've ever really gotten drunk was a time where we were in Vegas and I'm like, you know, the movie Hangover had just come out and I'm like, we need to have a hangover weekend where we don't we don't remember anything. And so you took that to mean that we needed to drink until we couldn't stand and vomited all night long cuz that's what that ended up being. I remember waking up in the tub of the hotel room surrounded by yes. vomit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and not all the vomit made it to the top, but yes. But but that goes back to I'm not a big drinker. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the taste of any alcohol. I don't like wine, beer, hard alcohol, none of that stuff. So if we're gonna have one of those nights, it's usually to have a right. big night. And yeah. yes. And you just did shot after shot after shot. Yeah. And then I remember the next day when so in Vegas we have a couple minor rules. One is we always do breakfast and dinner together. Mm-hmm. Whatever, which way we go during the day doesn't really matter. We, if we're around, we'll do lunch together. But some guys mm-hmm. go to the pool. Sometimes some guys walk the strip. Um, but the, the deal we have is we always do breakfast and dinner together. Mm-hmm. 
So the after that, what you call the hangover night, one, I remember the next day you saying, I think you misunderstood. <laughs> I just wanted to have a big night. It didn't need to end that way. And I was like, you're right. I, I thought you wanted it to be that epic. Oh, no. And, I don't know. Epic is the word I would use to describe yeah. it. We and then the other thing that, drunk though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The other thing I remember is the other guy um, had his hands in his face at the table the whole time for breakfast <laughs> where he ordered with his hands in his face, his face in his hands. He got his food with his face in his hands. He didn't eat any of his food with his face in his hands. We asked for the check and we left. Yeah. So that was the whole thing he did the whole time at the table. He didn't. I remember thing. getting escorted back to our room at like 2 a.m. because we just couldn't be trusted to walk from the entrance of the hotel to the elevator without adult supervision. <laughs> and and what what would you say if you could pick a trigger point for the cops showing up in the hotel or the hotel security? What would you guess was that trigger point? So. Obviously, we didn't realize this at the time, but when we walked in, I'm pretty sure I roundhouse kicked one of the entryway signs. That is correct. That put us on the map. Yes. And then we were walking in, and a we were by one of the blackjack tables, and a server came up with a couple of bottles of water on her um, tray. Okay, pause for a second. So there was me, you, the other guy who always comes with us. We, we tried, if you haven't noticed, we try to avoid names because nobody else asked to be on this, right? Mm -hmm. So we try to avoid names. But the fourth guy, I will mention by name because he was a little bitch, George. <laughs> he saw the cops. He, he saw ran. security coming in. He went and sat at a slot machine and didn't tell us. Yeah, he pretended So we like didn't, didn't know, know this us. was happening, right? So as we go over to this server with the water in our hands, he sits far away because he's like, I can see the cops coming in. Okay, go ahead. Doesn't tell us. Yeah. So um, I don't remember what happened, but I've been told that I <laughs> smacked a bottle of water off of her tray and onto the floor. Is that, Simple math. Is that accurate? Three, three of us wanted water. She had two waters. You said nobody gets water, and you smacked the two <laughs> bottles off her tray. If I don't get <laughs> is, water, nobody gets water. Yeah, is exactly okay. what that happened. sounds about right. <laughs> and then, then the cops really like now they came up and there was they literally five, were on us. Right next like to us. It, yeah. clearly, they were waiting in the wings for us to do something stupid, and uh, yeah. I fell for it. So the cops at that point, I think they could tell that look, we just had a little bit too much to drink. We we didn't we weren't really yeah. going to cause too much trouble. But the cop said to us, um, okay, what are you guys doing? And we're like, well, we're going back to our room. You know, the night's kind of over. So he's like, all right, great. He goes, if you tell me you can walk there without causing any trouble, I'll let you go. And I said, I don't think we can guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, the cop said, well, we're going to have to walk you to yeah, your room. Gonna, so I'm like, you're you're going to get acceptable. an escort. Yeah, yeah. And we did. So he escorted us to our room. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was night probably ended. the last time I've ever been that wasted in in my life it's been how long ago was that 10, 10 years ago it's got to at least be 10 yeah, years at least 10 15 years ago but that was well, also I, I don't drink a lot either and that night for me was the reason why i don't drink a lot it also makes it different because as, as you remember and you might not even know you said this at the time but priorities changed when we were in vegas right like people always think we go there for um the gambling and the, the crazy nightlife and the seediness of it. No, yeah. we go there to gamble and to hang out. Yeah. So much so that 
all of us make pretty good money and I still force us all to share one or two rooms connected because I'm like, that's the whole environment we're in, right? It's to be together, to goof around, stuff like that. So we always had to get rooms that are connected. So when we first went, it was gamble and drink all night and that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. Then you were the earliest one of Which, us to by have By the kids. way, when we first went, I was 17, you were 19, I think was the first yeah. time we went to Vegas. The, the first time I was in Vegas, before the what we'll define as the guys trip continuously, yeah, I was 19 at the time. Yeah. But then when, like, I remember when you started having kids, then it became, you're like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to gamble for a couple hours. I'm going to go sit by the pool and do whatever the fuck I want. And that includes <laughs> reading a book and just having a drink by the water. Just not being like, around the family at home. Yeah. like, that was my vacation, yeah. Exactly. So it's funny how, like, things change and then, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that I mean, that's Vegas. And like I said, it's unfortunate that we're not going to be able to do it this year. Yeah. Oh, well, we there will be a non-pandemic trip soon, I hope. And then we can kind of take it from there. Yeah. And that one might need to be like a two and one. So that could be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we don't do a hangover night. I'm, I'm fine yeah. with that. I think we need to hit up the, the one crazy question for this week. I think it's, it's about okay. that time. I should do some sort of like intro. One crazy question. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, now do a good intro. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this, David's face <laughs> is defeated, was what that was. Very defeated. All right. Uh, and this was, this was you chose this one, so I'm going to let yeah, you go so ahead and take it. I'm going to ask you, if you could erase one past experience, what would it be? This is another week where I feel like, and I thought about this, Oh, you're gonna, gonna be, be disappointed. some fucking weak ass thing. If I, it's if it's go back and kill Hitler, that's not the point no, of this. No, I actually um and you know, I'll be the first to admit I've I've not made all the best choices in my life. There are certainly <laughs> things that maybe I would have done differently if given another, you know, given the ability to do it again. However, when I look at every one of them. They led me to where I am today. So my answer is going to be unequivocally. There's not one thing that I would do differently, except maybe punch that teacher in the face when she was pulling my hair in junior high. (laughs) Other than that, I can't think of anything. So for future episodes, I would like somebody to call in so I can ask them this question (laughs) instead of you. I just don't have a whole lot of regrets. I mean, there are things that, yeah, I wish I would have handled differently in life, but most of them were like turning points in my life where I went from, you know, one path to another. And it was like, you know what? If I undid that, maybe I wouldn't have my kids or maybe I wouldn't have the job I'm in. Or so I kind of just when you know what i don't i don't really think i would undo any of that stuff because they were you know they lead me to here today and you know i'm really happy with where i am today that's the i i do agree that that's the difficulty with the question right and i don't think you know the the answer shouldn't be like a tug on the heartstring type thing right like you've mentioned before you you've been divorced right you can't and in my words not yours but you can't say well i wish i never met that person because then you don't have your kids right Right. so like you said there's a lot of repercussions from it but one thing and i'm sure there's more things that are I, i really should pick but one thing is there was a girl i dated who i used to work with I would have no issue with that entire relationship being <laughs> erased from from the my life. Is this so, the one that punched you in the face? No, that's a different that's hey, a different one. It was an it was an open-handed 
that girl was an open-handed swing. And I don't necessarily have cat light reflexes, but I would like to point out she missed me on the front swing, but I forgot she She might come backwards and she hit me. No, that was a different relationship. So does that make it, does that make me still the only person to ever have punched you in the face? Uh, no, okay, one other time. Um, but, and both of them were, yours was too, because we were goofing around. Mm-hmm. I yeah. turned the wrong way, you turned the wrong way, and you punched me in the mouth, right? Yeah, at so, least that's the story I'm going with. Yes, and that's also the story when I mentioned that in um, at my wedding, yes. got the loudest round of applause, yes. more so than I think you can kiss the bride. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other time was just some like street fight, but like some guy came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and he just clocked me. Like, so there was no- For no reason. I, there was no t- oh no, there was a reason. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. There's always a reason, um, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't know that he was gonna tap me on the shoulder and punch me in the face. <laughs> so it's a little different. Um, so this person actually, I started dating her and I, I didn't see it in the beginning. And, and like, I have a history of good or bad, right or wrong. I have a history of dating girls for six, seven, eight months when I was single because my view was, I think then they started getting comfortable and things changed while I think I'm myself from the beginning. And I think that's where the problem started arising. Mm. So her and I worked together at my uh, first firm out of college, not my internship, but my first firm out of college. Hold on one second. Is there a chance that she may ever listen to this? Oh, I, if she does or doesn't, I really don't care. She's not a, I don't, I don't get along with her well. So, um, Would you like me to say her name, Dave? Is that what you're no, asking? No, no, actually don't want you to say her name, but I'm just, I don't know, that makes the story more interesting if she could potentially be listening. <laughs> she might. I mean, I am friends with her on Facebook, so she might, right. she might learn about it. Yeah. Um, especially, do not put in the header. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, just, I have an idea for a thumbnail for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael wishes he didn't date this girl. Don't do that. <laughs> Every one of your exes will dial in. <laughs> so the, the problem was, as most relationships started off fine, didn't have any issues. Then it became, she was so needy was one thing. Jealous was another thing. And then just overall had a pretty shitty attitude. And so, you know, again, I didn't see it in the beginning. Um, the funny thing is her, one of her best friends at the time ended up going out with and marrying my cousin, yeah. but um, none of us really talked to her anymore. Um, so, the couple things that happened with her that like, I'm like, you know, this, this relationship is horrendous. I had two female friends who were staying over one weekend. So this, my girlfriend at the time was staying with me at the apartment. And these other two girls were staying in the apartment. She could not tolerate that there were two other girls in the apartment. Even though she was there. Even though she was there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at one point I was like, so, so what do you think is going to happen here? You think I'm going in the other room and fucking these two girls while you're in the apartment with me. I'm like, I don't understand this. Not to mention, I'm like, they're my friends. That's it. Like it's way bigger than just two females being there. Right. So like that was one. Then, um, uh, you know, another one was like, I couldn't just be home. Right. Like she would call me be like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, eh, staring at the TV, like vegging out. I'm going to come over. (laughs) Like, and she had immediately come over. So it was like, I couldn't just relax at home. There yeah. was none of that. It was either there are you deep, got shit to do. Trust issues yeah. there. <laughs> you either got shit to do or we hanging out. Like that's how it was. Um, so much so that she bought she she started renting an apartment that she planned on both of us living in eventually. And I'm like, well, that's really something that we should probably yeah, talk about. Did she tell you about that? 
Well, she told me she was renting it and stuff. I'm like, well, this seems like a lot for one person. Like, it's pretty big and a little expensive. And she's like, no, it's fine for now. And like, so it was one of those later on, it came out that, oh, well, I was renting it because I thought we were going to move in together. Oh. So that's part of it. So the best part of this all together, she comes to my wedding, my cousin's wedding in Canada. We go to the wedding. I'm the best man. And there's obviously a dance you do with the maid of honor. Who, to be fair, was fucking hot. She was. But that's beside the point. She's the maid of honor, right? You have to dance with her. Mm -hmm. So the whole time leading up to it, knowing it's going to happen, day before, two days before, week before, you can't dance with her. You can't dance with her at the wedding. I'm like, how is that fucking possible? (laughs) The way it goes is the bride and the groom will dance. Now we invite the best man and the maid of honor. Now we invite Mm -hmm. the rest of the wedding party. Like, that's the process. I didn't make it up. That's the process. So she kept going on and on about it. So we get to a point where now dance happens. And at this point in the wedding, I am furious at her. I've totally had enough. So much so that soon after when we got back, we broke up because I'm like, this is done. But the best part about it is at my for my 30th birthday, all of the boys who you're a couple years younger than me, but all the boys I grew up with besides you are my age, right? So for the 30th birthday party, we all were going to do a big thing kind of shared. So, you know, we had uh, Big Daddy, Smurf, Cool, and um, uh, Hot Chocolate, and the Mexican, and me. The Mexican's a couple years earlier, too, but he's actually my roommate. So we, we're we all going to get together, and we're going to celebrate our 30th birthdays together. So me and Hot Chocolate decide we're going to drive to Canada. This is months, a couple months after the wedding. We're going to drive to Canada. We're going to go buy Cuban cigars because at that point you still couldn't get them in right. the U.S. Unlike some of the rules that have been eased now. Mm-hmm. We're going to leave on a Friday. No, sorry. We're going to leave on a Thursday. We're going to drive all fucking night there. We're going to buy them. We're going to drive all fucking night back. And then we're going to celebrate on Saturday our birthday with all of us smoking soup Cuban cigars. So that's the plan we go with. It starts with – I know I'm all over the place. Trust me. It gets back yes, to her. Why I wish it didn't wrap exist. Wrap it up. <laughs> it starts <laughs> with – we start at Big Daddy's house. It was a good meeting point. Mm-hmm. He fills us up with a bunch of coffee um, for the ride because he knows we're going to be driving mm-hmm. overnight. At some point, Hot Chocolate says to him, this isn't the normal coffee you make. What, what brand is this? So he's like, oh, well, this is some decaf I just got recently. <laughs> I, I, I like the way it tastes. And we're like, decaf? <laughs> I'm like, we just drank four cups of coffee. For a 12-hour drive that is going to do nothing for us. He's like, he's like yeah, I, I, didn't think, I didn't think about that. So we drive to Canada. We get there early in the morning of the, the Friday. Where in we Canada? Go, Are we my Montreal cousins. We, we tell my uh, – Toronto. Toronto, okay. We let my cousin know we're coming. We're like, look, we need a place to crash for a couple hours like to kind of regroup. we got to buy a couple things, and then we're going to probably make our way back. So we get to my cousin's place. We, um, we sleep for a couple hours, and we go shopping. And we go buy the Cuban scars. We go back to my cousins and we're like, you know, based on timing, we're going to hit rush hour traffic. If we leave now, we're going to wait a couple more hours. So my cousin's like, hey, would you be interested in seeing the video from the wedding? So I'm like, sure, why not? In the video, (laughs) so (laughs) Hot Chocolate picked it up first. In the video, you could see my disdain for her and the (laughs) eye daggers that I was throwing her the whole time at the wedding. So much so that at one point she kind of came over to like 
hey, let's dance. And I'm like, get away from me. And that all got captured on, not unbeknownst <laughs> to me, it all got captured on video. So, yeah. So oh, wow. I, I would have zero problem with that relationship being stricken from the record. <laughs> I don't even have any of those. I mean, you know, all they were all kind of building blocks. I don't, I mean, I didn't date a lot of women when I was younger. So, I mean, they were all kind of building blocks leading up to me getting married. But yeah, I'm going to come up with the next one crazy question. This way uh, I'll make sure that I have an actual response to it. Or an yeah, interesting my response, response is going to be very non-committal. <laughs> I don't even think that's possible for you. <laughs> hit the uh, hit the joke vault. Let's see what you got. All right, this is just a statement. Uh oh. I think political unrest would be eliminated if foreign leaders were allowed to fart in meetings. <laughs> okay. All right. You can see that. So that's all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next episode. next episode. Yeah, we are. Um, we talked about how far you and I would go to make someone laugh. Both of us were always like jokesters. Um, in our group, you way more so than me, because I know when to take a backseat to someone who's typically funnier than I am. But when I was in my own circle or in school or whatever, I was somewhat of a, you know, the, the kind of prankster and the jokester. So uh, the next topic is going to be, how far would you go for a joke? Now, I think at this point, I'm supposed to say to you, no, no, you're the funnier one. <laughs> no, I, I never claim to be the funnier one. So in your school, we've talked about it before. In your school, with the small classes, 30 kids or so, yep. every person had a nickname in the, the uh, yearbook. Wasn't yours the Joker? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I I had a lot of nicknames throughout my childhood. That's the only one they could write. Yeah, that's the only one that was gonna get in trouble. Yeah. All right. All right. We are I'm done. Michael. Hold on. Hold on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Like I said, don't forget to subscribe. Hit the bell notification icon on YouTube if you want to be notified. And for all the other platforms that we're on for our listeners, please subscribe. Um, if you're on Apple, iTunes, Apple Music, please rate us so that Apple knows that we're worth sharing with other people. Thank you very much. What do you have to say? Thanks, Michael? everyone. I'm Michael Carter. I'm David Michael. And we are? And we are Ridiculously, ridiculously Bored. bored. <laughs> you're not even trying. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs>